RadioInfluence.com Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reeves. And welcome into our latest edition. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. Second edition of the season. Where were you last week? Because we actually had some underdogs once again that came through. It is Three Dog Thursday. And right away I'm going to call in my colleague. My wingman, my compatriot in the underdog selection process. He is senior handicapper and writer from VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers back with us for another week. Oh, by the way, Cappy, uh, Kevin, happy NFL, because now we add the National Football League and week number one upcoming here to all of our conversation that we started last week about college football. Good to have you, sir. Ready to go? Yeah, good to have you too, and uh, too bad that uh, you and your Buccaneers couldn't come down here. Thanks to our uh, our good friend Irma, who hopefully doesn't destroy all of South Florida and uh, the state of Florida. But uh, both the Dolphins and Bucks will have to wait uh, a while to see each other, so they get a nice break, but still a loaded NFL card. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited about a lot of things. One of those is not necessarily the hurricane. You fans should know that Kevin is based in South Florida. Uh, in the area of where Irma is expected to hit. At the time that we are talking right now, it is midweek. It is obviously Three Dog Thursday. We don't know the extent of the of the hurricane uh, coming over the state, the extent of damage or any of that. So you may be hearing the show on Friday, on Saturday, because we're picking games all the way through the weekend, including uh, Sunday NFL. So just understand that at the moment, uh, Kevin, you're not in the evacuation area. I am in west-central Florida in the Tampa-St. Pete Clearwater area, and the hurricane is not expected at the time that we're talking to really affect this area very much, if at all. So we're not going to be evacuating. But nonetheless, there are going to be hundreds of thousands that are going to evacuate over the next few days for safety for this. And, Kevin, to bring it back to football, there's already been, as you mentioned, the Buccaneer-Dolphin game now postponed until the bye week for both teams, November the 19th. Uh, there are numerous college games that have been affected, including the Miami Hurricanes are now not playing against Arkansas State at Jonesboro, a team, an Arkansas State team that I, I won with last week against Nebraska on Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, I was seriously thinking about them again for this game. Now it's not being played. Uh, and there are other games that are either being moved, adjusted, uh, et cetera, moved up a day, game time adjusted. The you know football is secondary. You know this, I know this, but clearly Irma is affecting the games that are going to be played at least in the state of Florida for this week. Absolutely, and and one of the things too, at least when you bring it back to the NFL, that you know the conversation was at least here in South Florida with the Dolphins is and I don't know what it was like in Tampa, but they didn't want to lose. They didn't want to burn the bye week in week one. They wanted to somehow go to a neutral site. Uh, the talk was to play maybe Thursday night or Friday, and that just didn't work out down here. And unfortunately, both teams now will have to play 16 straight weeks, and there's a lot of traveling issues as far as just a lot for both teams. And the Dolphins won't even have their first home game for a while because they go to London to play the Saints. They go out to L.A. to play the Chargers in week two. 
But uh, at the same time, when you have a storm like this, you've got to use common sense, and I think the NFL did the right thing by having this game postponed to Week 11 instead of having them moved. I saw the rumors to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh yeah. or anywhere else. It, it, you know what? It, it just I think it worked out better. Unfortunately, it stinks for the two teams to have to deal with this, but at least they'll be with their families, and you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. And, again, hopefully this storm doesn't really – uh, affect a lot of people as far as a lot of damage. That it's just bad weather for the weekend. Well, it's well said that the the family safety, the family evacuation, is the most important thing. That was the case with the Miami Hurricanes. That hey, if we leave on Friday, let's say to go to Jonesboro, Arkansas, and play a game that Arkansas State has been looking forward to for two or three years now, to have the University of Miami coming in for a home game in Jonesboro. They've remodeled their stadium. They've remodeled a lot of their suites, their press boxes, uh, the press box, uh, etc. But you play the game on Saturday, and what if they've already evacuated in South Florida and the hurricane's coming at them and you can't get back? And you've got uh, players, coaches, staff, and their families. What do you do? And that's the reason why that one was postponed. Interesting for the Dolphins, and and Kevin, uh, it may be kicked around some of the Miami media, but I was seeing this earlier as we're getting ready uh, to do this show, that 1992, obviously Hurricane Andrew, and we're very familiar for the audience that's out there that's hearing us through RadioInfluence.com, through iTunes, through Stitcher, through all the different platforms that are hearing this show, we're very familiar with hurricanes because Kevin and I have grown up in this state. It's almost second nature that really from about early August until the end of October, you've got to be aware and prepared for this. We both, Kevin, remember Hurricane Andrew, 1992, the devastation in Miami and in Homestead. Interesting that that NFL season, one of the first seasons where they had instituted the bye, they didn't start the bye weeks until 1991 in the NFL, 1992, Hurricane Andrew obviously rolled through and wiped out the scheduled New England-Miami opening week game in the NFL. Dan Marino, Don Shula, and the Dolphins. The Dolphins and the Patriots then played 16 straight weeks, like we're talking about now. The Dolphins won 11 of the 16 games and made the playoffs. So it, it is a matter of how talented is your team, how mentally tough is your team, how healthy can you stay throughout the year. But I'm just making a reference point, Kevin, that it was done during Hurricane Andrew now 25 years ago by those Miami Dolphins. They made the playoffs. They had an 11-win season. Now, Marino may have had a lot to do with it, but they got it done. Well, it can happen. And also, you know, we, we talk about in any sport, you stay healthy, you know, you, you're going to be in, in good shape. I mean, you, you know, take, for example, if Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers gets hurt in week three and is out for the season, who cares what kind of bye week they have? They're without their best player. True. You know, I mean, it's you still have to be healthy. And yes, you're going to have nicks and bruises. And, you know, again, it goes back to are you hurt or are you injured or are you just ailing? But, you know, a lot of these teams, if they lose their best player, it doesn't matter what kind of – they can play every game at home. And, and if Tom Brady's out or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson's out, then they're not going to win. But, you know, I really believe deep down, even though I don't know this for any kind of fact, and I don't know what it's like with the Buccaneers, but I got to think with the Dolphins and Stephen Ross that with everything that's happened so far, with Ryan Tannehill getting hurt, they bring in Cutler, you know, kind of uh, last second, that – this would be kind of a mulligan this season if anything really disastrous happened, just with everything going on, that it would be very unfair to the players and the coaches to say, oh, well, you know, you had a bad season, and we're going to penalize you because one of the biggest hurricanes in the history of yeah. hurricanes went through. So 
you know, I think that they'll probably get a mulligan on this if they have a bad season. Yeah, well, and we've got a lot of football to be played before anybody has a good year or a bad year. That's just the circumstance in the NFL. And again, safety the most important thing. And here's one more, and then we'll actually get to the games, what we did last week and what we're going to do. Safety also up in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, because if the track of Hurricane Irma continues to turn towards the north uh, a little bit, and away from the peninsula of Florida, then that means the danger zone is up along uh, the southeastern part of the United States, the outer banks of North Carolina, the, the South Carolina coast, Hilton Head, uh, Myrtle Beach, uh, anywhere in Georgia, St. Simons Islands, etc. That's that's on the coast. Look out uh, for this storm uh, late in the weekend and early next week. So again, that's the biggest. Uh, takeaway here is safety. Safety is the biggest thing. Let's get to the football now. And uh, and a week ago, you were victorious on Three Dog Thursday with the Western Michigan Broncos getting the 27 points at USC. Congrats on that. Your two conference USA uh, teams uh, did not come through in Charlotte and Middle Tennessee, but you did have a one for three with w- Western Michigan. They had to hang on a bit in the fourth quarter, but they were, they were still battling with USC and ended up uh, covering in that one. I ended up uh, a week ago having two success stories, getting Arkansas State, as I made reference to earlier, to cover. They, they lost, I believe, by eight, but we're getting 16.5 at Nebraska. Played very well with the quarterback, Justice Hansen is his name, hung in there with the Huskers. Also came through, Kevin, with the Texas A&M Aggies, uh, who were annihilating UCLA only to see one of the epic meltdowns ever as UCLA and Josh Rosen came roaring back from a 34-point deficit in the second half to win the game in the final moments. Still a cover for Texas A&M. So that was the second underdog that I came through with. Let's begin right there with that crazy finish Sunday night at the Rose Bowl. Give me a give me a thought on all of that. I'll take the win, but uh, man, oh man, what a, what a comeback by UCLA or what a collapse by Texas A and M. You got a comment? You know, I had Texas A and M as well, and I saw that quick start, and I was like, wow, you know, that was a good play. It was a revenge game for UCLA from last year, losing in overtime in College Station. But also on the the flip side, when you know I was checking the scores, and all of a sudden, you know, it was. 44 and you're like, oh, okay, it's interesting. And then you then you turn on the game and you say, hold on, if Gus Johnson is doing this game on Fox and UCLA is coming back, you know they're going to come back. <laughs> like you know, there's going to be some kind of epic finish there. And you know, for a guy like Josh Rosen, who you know has been pumped up and really did not perform well early, I said, oh well, you know, national stage against an SEC team is getting buried. He played excellent in the second half led UCLA back, I don't want to say save Jim Moore's job necessarily, but for Kevin Sumlin, my goodness. Uh-huh. I, I mean, for you to have that lead, you're looking good. It was a bad weekend for some of the, your Texas cohorts with the Longhorns and with Baylor, with some of their losses. You know, you can really look good here, and you melt down like that to close out the weekend. Everyone forgot about Texas losing to Maryland and Baylor losing to Liberty. You forget about those things, and obviously we know A&M's not in the same conference as them, but still in the same state almost means more that it's a pretty bad loss. Yeah, Texas uh, as a state, as a college football state, had quite the weekend with Liberty upsetting Baylor as a significant underdog at Baylor. 
uh, Matt Rule's debut, the former Temple coach is the Baylor coach. Debut for Tom Herman is a debacle as Maryland, a bad Big Ten team, goes on to win convincingly in Austin. And then that meltdown on Sunday night. Which, Kevin, I put, I put this on Twitter, and I challenge anybody to help us out on Three Dog Thursday. You can tweet uh, to us on the show at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter, the hashtag uh, Three Dog Thursday. Tweet to Kevin at VI Rogers. Has there ever been another opening college football game in a season where one coach, Jim Mora, was fired at halftime, down 38 to 10, and then in the same game, the other coach, Kevin Sumlin, is fired at the end of the game when they lose 45-44. to Just an incredible turn of events. And we haven't even mentioned yet that one of the members of the Texas A&M Board of Regents, one of, one of the big Aggies, one of the big guys that's in the decision-making process on Kevin Sumlin's contracts and his future, just put him on blast for how bad that performance was. Yeah, it was a cheap shot. It was classless to do that in the media as behind closed doors. But that gives you an idea of what kind of trouble he is in. Just a remarkable turn of events in that in that specific game where where both coaches arguably neck on the on the chopping block for that football game to start the season. It's not even at the end of the year. It's the beginning of the year. Yeah, and then you had the next night too with Tennessee and Georgia Tech, kind of the same thing where. For Butch Jones, it seems like he's almost done there at Tennessee. He's a dead man walking, and they were down big in that game. They couldn't stop Georgia Tech's running attack at all. And then all of a sudden, Tennessee comes back. They tie the game. They block the field goal, and they end up winning in overtime. Actually, I had Tennessee on Monday night. I was kind of annoyed when they took the lead in the second overtime. I said, just hold, just hold them out of the end zone. And they couldn't do that. But, of course, Georgia Tech decides to go for two and totally ruins that since Tennessee was laying three. But – you know, it's funny that Paul Johnson is probably, you know, he's never on the hot seat of Georgia Tech. That uh, that was a bad meltdown by Georgia Tech for a team that runs the ball all the time and couldn't hold the lead. And for Tennessee, you know, that's, that's a big win considering the SEC that, uh, you know, obviously Alabama had a great performance against Florida State. You know, Auburn won, Georgia won, as far, and Vandy had a nice road win. But, uh, you know, we saw the Gators lose to Michigan where the Gators' offense is nowhere to be found, and then Texas A&M's meltdown. But then you look at Tennessee. That was a really big win for the Volunteers to begin the season. Yeah, and the, and the SEC did have some success against the ACC, and I think you and I are on the same wavelength about an SEC-ACC matchup. It is Three Dog Thursday, so we are ready to talk some underdogs. So again, one for Kevin last week, two for me this week. The idea is to try to get all three of them and help you out uh, with those. So let's begin the conversation. We'll talk college football and NFL in our underdog conversation for this week. Let's begin with the college game. And as I've already teased, I think you're going SEC against ACC, are you not, for this week's slate? Yes, and it's a rematch from last year, Auburn and Clemson. Obviously, Clemson, the defending national champions, but losing their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, to the NFL. So that's a bit of a blow. Clemson dominated Kent State in week one, which is not a surprise to anybody. They just outclassed them. But, uh, you know, now Clemson has a tough matchup with an Auburn team that came out with a blowout last week. And Auburn, you know, they're, they're someone that can really compete with Alabama for the top of that SEC West. Both them and LSU are two teams that really have an opportunity, you know, because they'll play Alabama later in the season to try to knock them off. And, for the Auburn Tigers, it, it, the public is on Clemson because they are the defending national champions. But you know the money's going the other way with this, and you know I got to take a shot here with Auburn that uh, you're getting a few points that you're probably not going to get them in an underdog role that often this year. 
And uh, I think that Auburn is definitely a good look here against Clemson. You and I, and this was the first of many times this season that we will probably agree. We don't agree all the time on these underdogs, but I locked in on this one right away. And I got one big word for this one and my other college underdog that I'm going to be taking, revenge. Because a year ago, uh, Clemson came in and beat Auburn at Auburn in a game where uh, Auburn was awful, at least from a quarterback play standpoint, for the entire night. They seem to have found something with Jared Stidham, the transfer from Baylor, speaking of Baylor, who played uh, solidly in their opening game last week. Uh, uh, Curran Johnson uh, ran well in the opening game last week, but has a hamstring problem. They also suspended Cameron Petway for the opening game uh, last week. Petway's one of the best rushers in the SEC. Petway will be back for this Clemson game. Clemson also ran it well last week. Again, both of these teams played bad opponents in their opening week uh, game. Uh, Clemson running for 353 yards against Kent State, blowing them out. So it's a step up in competition for both of them. Uh, uh, Kelly Bryant is the quarterback to replace Deshaun Watson. He was solid in game one. Stidham, again, had two touchdowns, throwing one in the air. I, I like Auburn in revenge here in this primetime game on Saturday night. Give me the Tigers as well. You and I are going to take the five and a half points with Gus Malzahn and the Auburn Tigers. You know, it was a year ago that with Florida State knocking off Ole Miss early, Clemson winning that game uh, with Auburn as the, as the year went on, we, fo- we saw Florida uh, State beat Florida. We saw Clemson beat South Carolina. We saw Georgia Tech beat Georgia. Uh, game after game where the ACC flexed its muscle head-to-head with the SEC. The ACC then wins the title game with Clemson beating Alabama. The ACC was riding high. If Auburn goes ahead, Kevin, your thought here, and wins this game with Clemson, the, the SEC comes back around and says, guess what, 2017's a new year. We're still the SEC. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't think that that anybody should jump off that bandwagon just yet. You know, the ACC gets a lot of love because you have a Heisman Trophy winner in Lamar Jackson at Louisville. You obviously have the national champion with Clemson. You know, Florida State's still solid, even though DeAndre Francois is out for the year. But, you know, even the Big Ten, a lot of people want to go to the Big Ten and say, oh, the Big Ten is the best conference in college football. But the SEC, I'm not ready to count them out just yet, even though we know in the East, you know, you don't really have a dominant team and with Georgia now, with uh, their quarterback Eason being hurt, they play Notre Dame this week, that uh, we'll see how that's going to affect them. I mentioned Florida earlier with their quarterback situation. I mean, South Carolina had a really nice performance against NC State, beating them in a high-scoring affair last week at a neutral site in Charlotte. So, I mean, the SEC East isn't great, we know, but uh, with the SEC West, you know, you still have some quality teams over there. Well, and you, and you make up a good point on South Carolina. Will Muschamp's win. They showed some offense in that one. You mentioned Georgia. They opened with the win over Appalachian State. They'll now play Notre Dame uh, this week. You and I are staying away from that game. But, yeah, the, the SEC early on is in the mix, and I love the fact, I know ESPN has a lot to do with it with the money they spend, that we've now mixed in a lot of good national TV matchups for at least the first couple of weeks, like a Georgia-Notre Dame uh, for this week, like that Auburn-Clemson game, although they've played themselves, uh, they've played uh, each other a bunch in the last few years. Um, but TV brings these matchups together, including a, a kind of made-for home-and-home TV matchup that includes my second underdog, this one in college football, I'm going to go again, revenge, Kevin. What is it? Revenge is a, is a dish best served cold. Let's go Boomer 
Sooner. Oh, yeah. There's the uh, the Boomer Sooner music in the background. I, you said how many times do you get Auburn as an underdog? How many times are you going to get Oklahoma as an underdog? I'm going to take the Sooners as an underdog in a rematch with Ohio State, a game that they lost a year ago at home badly, where Oklahoma scored 14, or uh, Ohio State, I'm sorry, scored 14 points right away, eventually got up 35-7 to in the first half and never looked back, beating down uh, Oklahoma. I like Baker Mayfield, who's back for, what is it, Kevin, his seventh year? Is it his eighth year at Oklahoma? How many years has Baker Mayfield been in college football? Seems like he's on the John Navarre plan. He, he uh, I think he signed a new two-year extension to be at Oklahoma. He's still there. So Mayfield can throw it. They were easy winners week one against Texas El Paso. What about uh, Ohio State struggled a bit in that Thursday night game uh, a week ago with Indiana. They were actually losing in the second half, 21-20 to in that game before coming back. I will take Sooners at Columbus uh, here in this one. What do you do? You uh, you want to try to talk me out of that, or what do you think about Sooners in revenge mode on the road, just like Auburn is? I don't need to talk you out of anything. I mean, you made your pick. Uh, you know, do I love it? No, not necessarily. Simply because now, you know, Bob Stoops isn't at Oklahoma anymore. I mean, the guy only won one national championship, but that's besides the point. But now that uh, you know Stoops is gone. Their first big road game, going to Columbus. I know you said the revenge factor, but you look at Ohio State, and, yeah, they weren't sharp against Indiana in their opener, but they turned it on the second half, and they just blew away the Hoosiers. And and I I get Indiana's not very good defensively, and they had a new coach also. But uh, when you look at the Sooners, you know, some of the losses they had to the NFL, Mixon was gone, and and Samaji Perrine, Perrine, whatever his name was, he's gone, so... (laughs) You know, they had several uh, weapons they had to replace. Oklahoma's still very good. You know, don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I think after Ohio State wasn't so sharp that uh, Urban will get them in the gear on Saturday night. Okay, a couple of notes. By the way, do you have any idea about Ohio State's opening game records at Columbus at the Horseshoe? You ready? 37-1 and the last 38 years. They actually had a 34-game home win streak snapped by Frank Beamer in Virginia Tech back a few years ago. In I remember that game, yeah. I remember that, but that, they are 37-1 yep. and one in the last 37, in the last 38 years. Uh, but how about Oklahoma dating back to big game, Bob? They've got an 11-game win streak going back to last year. Five of those are ranked foes in, the, in those wins. They step up in competition big time this week. I, though, will take the Sooners uh, to go get this done. Uh, again, for Ohio State, JT Barrett is back yet again. Speaking of quarterbacks that have been around for a while, had 300 yards passing last week. I think Lincoln Lincoln Riley, the new coach at uh, at Oklahoma, gets a signature win right away in Columbus. I will take the Sooners straight up as my second college underdog. Okay, that leaves one underdog for me. That leaves two for Kevin Rogers. We are going to be talking NFL as we continue. It is, Kevin, stand by. It is Three Dog Thursday. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. Find us, whether it's RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, rate the show so that the show moves up in the rankings on Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you can hear this show. Tune in. It's archived as well on Radio Influences tune in channel. Find us all of those different ways each and every Thursday. And the NFL is back, and we are back shortly to talk uh, the pro game and some underdogs next.
Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Oh, it is back. Yes, it is back. Can I? Can we pot the, the little, a little uh, National Football League? Can we get rolling uh, with the NFL and another season? It seems like. It seems like you and I were just talking about the New England Patriots' epic comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Boy, talk about Texas A&M collapse against UCLA last week. We are still remembering, and will remember for years, if not decades, the Patriots coming back from 28-3 to down to win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51 over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, an amazing win in Houston, Texas. So the Patriots will raise the Super Bowl banner. They've already gotten their rings. They'll raise the banner on Thursday night at the time that we are talking in advance of that game with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the NFL is back. Just as a general comment, Kevin, I know a lot of fans are excited for a lot of different reasons. Point spreads, fantasy football. Everybody starts the season uh, <laughs> with a clean slate. Nobody's lost a game yet. So the NFL is back, sir. It is, and I know it's a very exciting time of year that, uh, you know, we're just waiting for the Patriots to get back to the Super Bowl for the 7,000th time, so I guess that's what we look forward to. Uh, no, it, it really is a lot of fun, and, you know, on this show we talk about underdogs and we talk about, you know, handicapping and stuff like that, and obviously fantasy football is huge, and that's what a lot of people are very excited about to get their season going. Not really to see, like, their team, but their fantasy team. Right. So. You know, that, that's definitely, you know, football's the best. You know why? You get it once a week, and that's what we look forward to every Sunday, and, uh, and it keeps turning on. Okay, so again, Patriots without Julian Edelman. Get ready uh, to take on the Chiefs on Thursday. That will kick off the season. We mentioned uh, both of us are associated with game broadcasts for the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, respectively. That game now not being played this weekend, postponed by Hurricane Irma. Again, uh, made up during the bye week for both teams. Coincidental bye week helps work things out for the weekend of November 19th is when that game will be made back up. So a full slate of games. It includes Ezekiel Elliott being eligible for the game Sunday night, Cowboys and Giants. But Kevin Rogers, he's suspended for the six games after that with the ruling coming down on Tuesday night. Give me a quick thought there because you mentioned for fantasy football, everybody wants to know, well, how do I draft him? What's the suspension going to be? Is it going to get reduced, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, what, what about the Ezekiel Elliott situation? He gets to play on Sunday night, but then apparently not for several weeks, if not six weeks to come. It is interesting, isn't it, that the Cowboys play the Giants on Sunday night football on NBC <laughs> the first week? <laughs> I mean, if the Cowboys were playing the Browns on Fox, I think that uh, you know it wouldn't really make that big of a difference. And do but. we believe on that point? Do we believe if Ezekiel Elliott was playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars in Houston against the Texans that he would be eligible to play this week, or he would have had the six-game suspension beginning this week? What's our theory? What's our theory? Uh, I, I would say, uh, you know, with my scientific uh, knowledge of the NFL, I would say because you play for the Dallas Cowboys, they'll find any way to work it out for you. Yeah. And uh, Jerry Jones, a very powerful owner here. But, yeah, he is he is playing in the game, and we'll see what happens after that. All right, so I've taken two college underdogs. I've got one pro underdog to go. You've got two NFL underdogs. I will put the slate in front of you. Which game do you want to begin with, sir? We're going to start with one that people wouldn't really expect. When you look at the Atlanta Falcons, who you mentioned, blowing the big lead in the Super Bowl to New England, 
that uh, the Falcons coming off a dreadful preseason at 0-4, which I know people don't care about the preseason, but uh, it's so tough to get back to the Super Bowl back-to-back years in the NFL, seriously, unless you're the Patriots. I mean, the NFC is so stacked. We saw Carolina fell off last year. And you look at Atlanta, still very good players with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman, that they're, they're totally loaded on, on offense. This is a really tough spot for them. They're going to Soldier Field to take on the Bears in week one. They're laying a touchdown. Super Bowl losers in their first game, mm-hmm. listen to this stat, 3-15 mm-hmm. and 15 against the spread the last 18 years. Wow. That includes Carolina losing to Denver last year. That includes Seattle losing to the Rams two years ago in overtime, both as road favorites. Atlanta's in that role now. The Bears had their quarterback uh, with Mike Glennon and Mitchell Trubisky. That uh, Trubisky will probably see later in the season, but for now, Glennon's the guy. I think the Bears have a lot to prove here. For the Falcons, they'll be fine if they end up, uh, you know, if they end up losing this game, they'll be okay. So I'm going to take the points with the Bears. On that note, you honestly believe that if Mike Glennon struggles, let's say at the beginning of this game, and the Boo Birds are everywhere, and he's thrown some interceptions already in, in preseason, his I believe his first series of the preseason at home against Denver, he threw a pick six. You honestly believe that if he's bad, we won't see Mitchell Trubisky maybe even in this game, that it may, you know, it may be weeks down the line, or could we see Chicago at least try it Sunday and try both quarterbacks? No. If Glennon's your guy, let him be the guy. Let, let him see. You drafted Trubisky, you have him in your back pocket. You sign Glennon to a big deal. See what you got with him. Unless he throws like four pick sixes and he's totally horrible or he gets hurt, you don't have to play Trubisky now. You have him. You could save him for later in the season. Let Glennon be the guy. But uh, I think that uh, you know, I think that he actually deserves a chance. And then we'll see what happens. Mike Glennon getting paid a lot of money, leaving the Buccaneers as a backup quarterback to go get the starter job for now, at least in Chicago. And then the Bears go and draft Trubisky with the second overall pick. So you will take Chicago. What a great stat there against uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, with the Bears getting a boatload of points, seven of them at home as a big home underdog. Uh, I'm going to stick with the home underdog theme. You mentioned Carolina. Uh, they will now play against San Francisco. The start, ladies and gentlemen, of the Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco. He and former Buccaneer and former Denver Bronco great John Lynch, now as the GM, have things rolling in San Francisco. And I, I, Kevin, I like this matchup for a couple of different reasons. You never know really in the first game what to expect. And, and teams oftentimes can be really good out of the gate. They have some extra time to prepare um, a lot of these teams have been preparing for a week and a half to two weeks for their opening opponent. Shanahan, obviously, is an, is an offensive mind. Um, he doesn't have much to work with in terms of uh, great quarterback play or skill positions. Brian Hoyer is going to be the quarterback. Um, Carlos Hyde in the backfield, receivers like Pierre Garçon to throw the ball to. But I just get the feeling here, this, this Carolina team a year ago coming off the Super Bowl had a bad hangover. They were bad all year long and finished 6-10. and 10. You go the, Kevin, you go the year before the Super Bowl, yeah, they made the playoffs, but they were 7-9 and nine that year. They were bad in that bad NFC South all season long. So uh, somebody had to win the division back in 2014. They did win the division in 2014 with a losing record that year. So... Uh, which Carolina team is really the real Panthers? And, and Cam Newton has some injury question marks with his shoulder coming into this game. 
San Francisco, Kevin, a year ago, shut out the Rams. Remember with Blaine Gabbard at quarterback on opening night, on the opening Monday night, and shut them out 28 to nothing. Chip Kelly's first game in his one and only year in San Francisco, they won easily, and everybody, everybody thought it was going to be great. And then he was out the door and fired. I, I just I like the spot here, and I'll take the 49ers plus the five and a half points to pull the upset, to outright defeat the uh, the Carolina Panthers and hand them a loss at the beginning of the year here on Three Dog Thursday. Any thoughts on, on all of that that I've laid out about Shanahan, about the Panthers, and which Panther team it truly is, et cetera? I agree that Carolina you know, wasn't as good as they were two years ago. That's not really them. I don't think they're a 14-2 and two type team. They're, they're, you know, I think they're an okay team. They're an 8-9 win team, that NFC South, which is like a wheel of fortune of who's going to win it every year. You, know, you never know who it's going to be. But, you know, Carolina's an all-right team. I think they, they definitely get uh, a little inflated because of Cam Newton and because they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. But really, we see in the NFL that it, it's the, you know, the old thing. If, if you're in the Super Bowl a year ago, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, it, it's a brand-new season. And, you know, for San Francisco, they still got a lot of things to figure out. they got a long way to go. But I think if you're going to try to take a shot with them early, you, know, you might as well see what you got with them. And now the Kaepernick thing is done. Chip Kelly is gone. They, they kind of cleaned house a bit. Now John Lynch is in the front office. That I think they can kind of start fresh here. And uh, you know you might as well do it in the opening game as a home dog. And believe me, because I have friends and acquaintances that are out in that area and and in and around the 49ers, and I even know a couple of the folks, including John Lynch, uh, with the organization. There is renewed optimism right now that you know San Francisco is not going to win the Super Bowl this year. But they believe they're going to get back to some form of respectability. And even respectability for them might be a six or a seven win season. And it may start off, start off really well. I believe it will start off really well uh, here for this matchup with Carolina. That leaves us with one more underdog selection here on Three Dog Thursday. And Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Which way else do you want to go in pro football? I understand that a lot of the, the sharp money, however you want to call it, is going to be on the Tennessee Titans this week. They're hosting Oakland, and the Raiders are coming off a really great season. It came to a, a bad ending with a Derek Carr injury. But I do like the points with Oakland this week, and I'll tell you why. Oakland beat Tennessee last year 17-10 to 10 early in the season. The 10 points was the lowest amount that Tennessee scored against anybody last year. And, yes, Tennessee closed the season on a high note. The Titans are a team that have a chance to win – the AFC South that uh, we know Jacksonville is not very good with Andrew Luck hurt in Indianapolis. They have their issues. The Texans, I don't really think are a hundred percent sold on their quarterback situation. And the best quarterback right now in the division is Marcus Mariota. But at the same time with Oakland that, uh, you know, like we said that they could easily go backwards. They could be an eight and eight team after what they did last year going 12 and four. But you know, the Raiders were still a pretty good road team last year. They were pretty good when Derek Carr was healthy And I just got to think there's a little too much love here for the Titans, a team that really has improved a lot. They have a great great young quarterback. They have a great running back, but really not a lot of weapons around him. And I think with Oakland, they have some better skill position players. I'm going to go here and take the points with the Raiders. All right. And I I love, uh, speaking of fantasy football, I love Derrick Henry. I've got him in a couple of leagues here. I don't know that DeMarco Murray stays healthy. They've got a one-two punch running it. You're right. Tennessee's receivers, nah, just kind of okay. 
Uh, fascinating game as to whether Oakland can uh, withstand prosperity. Remember, a year ago, they won on the opening week at New Orleans on the two-point conversion, Kevin, with Carr hitting Michael Crabtree uh, for the two-point conversion uh, in that win in the Superdome, and they never really looked back and continued to win one big road game after another as the season unfolded. So let's find out if the Raiders can do that. Okay. Uh, we'll go over the underdogs again one more time here in just a second, but there is so much football, college and pro now, and I know you guys at VegasInsider.com are laying all of it out. Kevin, tell us more about that. Absolutely. Now the NFL is underway, so it's very busy. It's a busy fall, but uh, that's never a bad thing. College football, these games that begin on you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday action, then Sunday you go into the NFL, and then, of course, into Monday night this week we have a doubleheader on Monday night, but uh, a lot, uh, a, a lot of great articles, a lot of great content all over the site, you know, looking ahead, not only to the primetime games, but also line movement. Uh, you know, I write a pick six column every week for the NFL, give out some predictions for that, with a little bit of analysis. You could check out our free odds on our page every single day for not only the NFL and college football, but for every sport. So we have just a bunch of information that you can go to to help you pick some winners, or even if you don't want to pick winners, just sit back and watch the game. You get a little more education on it. Check it out at VegasInsider.com. And again, we try to give you some of that knowledge uh, here. You've already shared some of it with us uh, on Three Dog Thursday. Give the stat again about uh, Super Bowl losers the following year against the spread, the reason you're going against the Atlanta Falcons and for the Chicago Bears this week. Super Bowl losers in week one the following season, they are 3-15 and 15 against the spread the last 18 years. <laughs> it's the kind of stuff you find out at VegasInsider.com with checking these guys out. Again, once more, Kevin and I agree on Three Dog Thursday, Auburn Tigers over Clemson Tigers, plus the 5.5 coming in that Saturday night showdown. I will also take Boomer Sooner. Uh, my my buddy, my colleague, my former radio buddy at uh, Sirius XM Radio, Barry Switzer, is going to turn 80 years old this year. Can't believe the old coach is going to be 80, uh, Kevin Rogers. But I like the Sooners to win this game at Ohio State, and I will take the points, obviously, with them as uh, as well here. Take the 7.5 uh, with them. In the NFL, you're going to go, as uh, mentioned, with Chicago, plus the 7 against the Atlanta Falcons. I like San Francisco, the 49ers, and the 5.5 against Carolina, and you'll take the Raiders and the two points against the Tennessee Titans. There you go. There are underdogs for Three Dog Thursday. A reminder, you can find out more about this show at 3dogthursday.com. The Twitter handle here is at 3dogthursday. Uh, as well as using the hashtag 3DogThursday to give us some underdog predictions or tell us how right or how wrong we are. Tell Kevin how right he is, how wrong I am, as I often like to say. And again, follow Kevin at the hashtag at VIRogers for Vegas Insider Rogers at VIRogers throughout the weekend. My friend, good luck with the underdog. Stay safe with all of Hurricane Irma. We look forward to talking with you next week after the first weekend of the NFL being in the books. We'll have some more clarity in college football. In the meantime, stay safe and enjoy the games. All right, you too, TJ. Thank you. And we thank you for being with us. It's the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It's here every week. Spread the word. We're back. It is Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy the games. Bye. Chris Landry inviting you to join me for Landry Football Podcast every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll give you the coaching and scouting angle to the college and NFL game. Film breakdowns, scouting reports, X's and O's, the latest inside scoop, coaching search information. We've got it all for you. I'll take my experiences as a coach and a scout and bring it to you, the fan, 
to give you access to the best football information on the college and pro level. Join us at LandryFootball.com. And remember the Landry Football Podcast right here, as well as Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 